0: Trust the only payment solution developed for attorneys and recommended by 47 state bars, LawPay.
1: Thank you for joining us with the ABA Journal's Asked and Answered. I'm Stephanie Francis-Ward, and in today's episode, I'm speaking with attorney and author Brian Cuban about something that often isn't addressed when discussing lawyers' mental health, and that's body dysmorphia. Brian, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on, Stephanie. Yes, and you are calling us today. You are at the Dallas-Fort Worth Airport's Admirals Club on your way to Miami, right? We're always on the go.
0: (laughs) That is correct.
1: Right. Okay. Well, welcome, and thanks for taking the time to speak with us. What I wanted to ask you first off is, could you tell listeners briefly what body dysmorphia is? My impression is that many people think it's an eating disorder, but it's not. That is
0: correct. And we have to distinguish between the general term body dysmorphia and the actual medical diagnosis, which is body dysmorphic disorder. Basically, what body dysmorphic disorder is, is when someone takes a perceived defect in their body, it could be a small or maybe non-existent, but they're imagining it and exaggerates it in their reflection, what they perceive they see to the point where it affects their ability to function, quote unquote, normally in life. This is not an eating disorder. This is a subset of obsessive compulsive disorder. It affects body dysmorphic disorder affects two to 3% of the general population, men and women equally. And it correlates with eating disorders. Approximately 30% of those with body dysmorphic disorders will also develop an eating disorder, as I did.
1: Interesting. And I was curious in what little I read about this to prepare for the podcast. Is oftentimes body dysmorphia kind of perhaps triggered by someone's shame that they're not addressing and just pushing down, pushing down?
0: Absolutely. And we don't really know what causes body dysmorphic disorder. We have to remember, Stephanie, everyone at some point in their life, at least in first world, looks in the mirror and, and says, man, that just sucks, right? You mm-hmm. your hair, mm-hmm. you, you, you're not feeling good, your pants are a little tight. That is normative discontent. That is not body dysmorphia. We have to distinguish between the normative discontent, you know, we all feel at one time or another in our appearance and self-image issues from it rising to a level where it affects our ability to function in life. So when someone has body dysmorphic disorder, it can have a number of different causes or it can be the genesis from a number of different environmental issues. Fat-shaming at home. And this is not to blame any particular issue because there is a difference between cause and correlation. So when I talk about fat-shaming at home, I'm not blaming parents. Parents don't cause eating disorders. Parents don't cause body dysmorphic disorders. But Fat-shaming at home, bullying, there can be genetic component. There are a number of different things that can play into body dysmorphic disorder. And obviously, if you have self-image issues, body image issues, you've been bullied, you've been fat shamed, there's going to be shame, there's going to be self-shame involved with that, right? You may start to see yourself a little bit differently and become ashamed of your body.
1: How did you find out that you had body dysmorphia?
0: A diagnosis arrived to jointly with my psychiatrist. I've been seeing a psychiatrist for about 15 years now, and a lot of that is related to body dysmorphic
1: disorder. And did you go see him for something else, or in the process of his treatment with you, it came out that this was something that you had?
0: It was in the process of treatment. I was dealing with a number of other issues, all of which also correlate to body dysmorphic disorders Uh, drug addiction, problem drinking. I had become suicidal in 2005. So there were a lot of other issues I was dealing with, and we really had to get to the core of what was triggering this destructive behavior, and we came to the conclusion that it was body dysmorphic disorder.
1: And I was curious, do you think if an attorney has body dysmorphic disorder, could it be exasperated by the practice of law, and perhaps law school, given how much one's image can be so important to members of the profession?
0: Well, again, we have to be careful, okay, because I I don't know what the percentage of lawyers are that have body dysmorphic disorder. I'm not aware of any study that talks about that. I don't believe the ABA Betty Ford Hazleton study talked about that.
1: Right.
0: If two to 3% of the population have, uh, suffer from the actual diagnosis of body dysmorphic disorder, then yes, we can make some type of logical jump that there are going to be lawyers that suffer from body dysmorphic disorder. Now we can step that back a degree and you know, are there a lot of lawyers who suffer from body image issues? Sure. Uh, mm-hmm. Can the practice of law trigger someone who may be predisposed to body dysmorphic disorder into the diagnosis? Yes. We are a profession that puts a high premium on appearance. We have jury consultants who make a lot of money telling trial lawyers how to look better, to do better with juries. So sure. You know, we're a visual species in general, we make judgments based on appearance, and especially in a legal profession.
1: And what are I was curious, too, do you think, is it because of the type of personality perhaps that's drawn to the law sometimes in terms of the quest for perfection and being a type A personality, is it possible that maybe the profession tends to draw people who are at risk
0: for the disorder? I don't know that that is the case, Stephanie. I think the profession tends to draw like you said, the type A personalities who put a lot of pressure on themselves and who may not have good coping skills to react with stress that may date back you know, to law school or through the home environment. But here's what's the key, okay? Lawyers are just people. We bring the baggage of our life to the courthouse door, to the law school door. Lawyers are people who have, may have been fat shamed at home. Lawyers are people who may have been bullied. Lawyers are people who may not have addressed those things because we don't like to be vulnerable. I think that is more the issue than whether mm. we are predisposed to body dysmorphic disorder. Does that make sense?
1: Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So a lawyer who has
0: this baggage of his or her life, who already has body image issues dating back you know, maybe to childhood, walks into a stressful situation, whether it's law school where we do put a premium on people – sizing each other up or the legal profession where in the adversarial process whether it's the courtroom or the mediation table people are looking at us and sizing us up sure that kind of stress as someone is predisposed based on long standing and other issues could trigger someone into a body dysmorphic disorder diagnosis and again it becomes about how we respond to our what we see in the mirror and that's what really defines it i know people with body dysmorphic disorder who are afraid to leave the house I know people with body dysmorphic disorder who have attempted suicide. There are a lot of different things that can correlate with it. And it can become a very destructive behavior in itself. You know, the behaviors that come from it, a very destructive diagnosis. And it's a very shameful diagnosis because it's not very well understood. Body dysmorphia in itself, the term has been around for 100 years. The diagnosis has only really been looked at in depth for maybe the last 20
1: And can you talk a bit, you said earlier that it affects, it's not like it's a female issue or a male issue, but I think sometimes people tend to think it is specifically female, and maybe that prevents men who think that they might be struggling with it from getting help. Do you think that's correct?
0: I think think there is a lot of validity to that, Stephanie, and that goes back to your very first question. The majority of people who believe body dysmorphic disorder is an eating disorder, at least anecdotally in my experience. Okay, so I don't know what data would support majority, but in my experience, most people believe body dysmorphic disorder is an eating disorder. Once you believe that, you look at the percentage of men suffering from eating disorders, and it is a very stigmatized issue for men, even though about 25% of all those suffering eating disorders are male. Even so, we can start with they are not the same, but when people perceive them as the same, then it becomes the eating disorder type stigma. And that Mm -hmm. is why males become very stigmatized about body dysmorphic disorder because there is a public perception that it is an eating disorder and males don't like to talk about eating disorders. And it's a diagnosis, Stephanie, that is very difficult to treat. So people go through a lot of treatment for it and without result, it's a very difficult disorder to treat. I'm still in treatment for it.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. I see. We are going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about signs that someone might have body dysmorphia and what sort of treatment is available for them.
0: Did you know that attorneys who accept online payments get paid 39% faster on average than those using traditional payment methods? With Law Pay, the only payment solution offered through the ABA Advantage program, you can accept client payments online, via email, or in person, no equipment needed. Visit lawpay.com slash podcast to sign up and get your first three months free.
1: And we're back. I'm Stephanie Francis-Warren, and on today's episode of the ABA Journal's Asked and Answered, I'm speaking with attorney and author Brian Cuban about body dysmorphia, something the legal profession doesn't really discuss a lot. So, uh, Brian, what are some signs that someone might have body dysmorphia?
0: Well, the two big ones, uh, there are quite a few. The first one would be obvious preoccupation with physical appearance. Uh, as consistently looking in the mirror, which can be confused with narcissism, as it was for me sometimes, but it is really a being fixated on an aspect of your body that you may consider defective, kind of un- being unable to look away from the train wreck that you see. So preoccupation with physical appearance the belief that one has a defect in their appearance that makes them ugly, and it may be even the smallest little blemish or no blemish at all that they're imagining. Frequently looking in the mirror, which people may confuse as someone being narcissistic and shame them for that when it's really body dysmorphic disorder. Avoiding mirrors altogether, which is something I dealt with. Stephanie, I would walk into the bathroom, take a shower, brush my teeth, all those things without my eyes ever leaving the floor. Because I was horrified to look in the mirror. Frequent cosmetic procedures with little satisfaction. I've also been through that. Uh, and so refusing to appear in pictures, skin picking, over comparing our looks to others. Now, we all do that. There's a normative aspect to that. Everyone goes through, you know, compares at one time or another. But when it's constant, when it is obsessive compulsive, that can be part of body dysmorphic disorder. So those well. are just some of the things. Using cosmetic enhancements or makeup and things to high perceived flaws that may not even be there.
1: And I want to go back to something you just said that I thought was very interesting. You mentioned narcissism. Is it not uncommon for someone who has body dysmorphia to get a wrong diagnosis of narcissism? It could be. He to, hmm. it, I don't think it would be as a common now. Okay.
0: I don't think it would be as common now because we have now have very knowledgeable doctors who understand body dysmorphic disorder as a diagnosis. But I I think it would be more common and more shaming for someone, and I've been through this too. I used to be look at myself walking through the mall, look at my chest, because I had this, and I would touch my chest. Like this unconscious belief that I had there was a defect in my chest. Continually Mm -hmm. touching, continuing looking, and I had people accuse me of narcissism. When it was really trying to figure out, I didn't understand why I felt my chest was defective. That was body dysmorphic disorder. And so a layman who doesn't understand that, would be the which would be the majority of people, see someone doing that, and they're gets narcissistic.
1: Oh, so people are in your social circles. Gotcha.
0: That's right, yeah. though. And that is very shaming, and that could cause yeah. someone to not seek treatment or decide they don't even want to leave the house.
1: Right, right, right. I, I'm wondering if people are listening, maybe who you know haven't heard of this before, and they're like, well... Everybody has that. You know, everyone thinks that, you know, their pants are too tight or their hair is off or they look terrible. Do you hear that sometimes? And what's your response?
0: Yes, and they'd be right, at least in the developed world. They'd be right. And as I said earlier, that that's not a disorder. That's normative discontent. Mm -hmm. It's when you add the obsessive compulsive component and you engage in self-destructive behaviors as a result that it, you know, becomes body dysmorphic disorder. But that's right. Normative discontent is not the same. As body dysmorphic disorder, Everyone looks in the mirror one day or another and says, "That sucks,
1: right, right. What sort of treatment when someone has a diagnosis, and obviously everyone's different, but what sort of treatment programs work?
0: Well, they have to be with people who specifically understand body dysmorphic disorder. There are a lot of psychologists out there who do different therapies that may be part uh, that may you know be used for body dysmorphic disorder, but there's a lot of body dysmorphic specific treatment out there nowadays, especially, you know, with uh, facilities that specialize in obsessive compulsive disorder. Some of the treatments I've been through are cognitive behavioral therapy, training myself not to respond in certain ways to my body. For Let me give you an example.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: this may be seem silly to some people, but this is part of it. I would refuse to go into a swimming pool without a shirt on. And I would immediately move to the corner of a swimming pool And cover myself up because I perceived that my chest was defective and people were going to look at me and think I was ugly. I had to train myself in swimming pools minute by minute to be in those pools without my shirt and retrain my mind that people were not looking at me and thinking about that and that my body was not defective. That's exposure therapy. There's cognitive behavioral therapy. There's acceptance and commitment therapy. There are therapies that work for body dysmorphic disorder.
1: And is there any sort of prescription that sometimes helps as well? Or
0: Yes, there is. Uh, there is a okay. subset of antidepressants, and I'm not going to give it because I may mistake what they're called. Right. There is a subset of antidepressants that specifically work for obsessive-compulsive disorder that is part of body dysmorphic disorder. And for me, it, it really comes about lengthening the mental fuse in terms of reacting to specific thoughts. So yes, there are some medications and they tend to be in the antidepressant category that also work for body dysmorphic disorder.
1: And I'm curious, if you don't live in a major city, might it be hard to find a therapist who has experience in treating body dysmorphia?
0: Absolutely, you have to deal with where you are. And so if there isn't one, if someone was coming to me and they did not live in an area where that was accessible, I would, the next level down would be looking for therapists who have experience with cognitive behavioral therapy, acceptance and commitment therapy, exposure therapy, because even if you're not body dysmorphic trained, you may be trained in those therapies. And there are, because it can be so hard to find a therapist, there are now therapists, I know a couple who consult with local therapists on body dysmorphic disorder, so they help them create a treatment plan.
1: Do you think, I mean, we mentioned that I don't think that body dysmorphia is addressed in the ABA Hazelden survey. Do you think this is something that maybe the profession that works with the LAP community should think about a
0: bit more? I mean, I think in the scale of what's going on in the legal profession with like problem drinking and things mm-hmm. like that, I, I mean, I strongly wouldn't put it at the top of priorities. I think more, again, the things that correlate with body dysmorphic disorder. We have a serious eating disorder problem in our profession.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, and they and there is a very strong correlation with body disorder disorders, with eating disorders. If you look at the survey on law student well-being, I think it's that twenty-seven percent of law students tested positive for eating disorder behavior. Right. Wow, why aren't we talking about that when we're talking about twenty-one to twenty-two percent of lawyers, you know, licensed attorneys having being problem drinkers? So I don't think, in general, we should be overly concerned about it as some problem in the legal profession. But we should be understanding that when it comes to body image, when it comes to how we react to body image, when it comes to how others perceive us, we're just people bringing all the baggage of our life to the profession. And we may be bringing those body image issues. And yes, some lawyers may be predisposed to being triggered to body dysmorphic disorder. But I think it's more about the premium and how we deal with that, that our profession puts on looking good judging others based on how they look. And I don't know that that's ever going to go away, but I'm more concerned about that than body dysmorphic disorder being, you know, a huge problem in the legal profession. It's a a problem, but it's about proper diagnosis.
1: Right,
0: right. Are we encouraging lawyers to get proper diagnosis for whatever they're dealing with versus just kicking the can down the road and believing that, you know, whatever they're going through is, you know, something that can be just ignored. Body Um, dysmorphic disorder does not go away on its own. It's difficult to treat, so it's important to get treatment as early as possible.
1: I was curious about this. I think that some really forward employers think about what they can do for overall wellness in the workplace in a meaningful way. And at some firms have put a lot of thought into what they can do in terms of alcohol consumption. It's like, you know, maybe we're not going to have an open bar for our holiday party. We're going to give a ticket. Do you have any thoughts on if an employer wanted to be mindful of having a positive place for people maybe with eating disorders and or body dysmorphia, what are some things they could do or an an environment they could encourage? Well,
0: I think law firms, I I think the legal profession is always going to put a premium on image. Mm -hmm. That's just inherent to the profession. But I think it's more at the most ground level law firms and the bars have to provide a pathway for lawyers to feel that it's okay to get treatment, whether it's an eating disorder or whether it's problem drinking mm. or whether it's a drug issue and not feel ashamed to do so. I get emails from male and female lawyers suffering from eating disorders and they're, you know, they're not telling you I their law firm. Although ironically, I think, you know, for a woman, for a female to, at a law firm who might be suffering from an eating disorder that would certainly might even be more accepted in terms of getting treatment than drinking. (laughs) I mean, it's just the way we've developed in terms of what's accepted for eating disorders, what the accepted, you know, what the stigma is, but for a male at a law firm uh, to be empowered to get treatment with eating disorders. And a lot of them, it's binge eating disorder, which is the fastest growing eating disorders and disproportionately affects men. I don't know that law firms are doing enough. It doesn't have to be eating disorder specific. It just has to provide a pathway for lawyers not to feel ashamed, whatever the mental health issue is.
1: Right, right. I think you're absolutely right. And Brian, that's everything that we have time for today. I want to thank you so much for joining us.
0: Oh, it's my pleasure. I I love doing this and I cannot tell you how much I appreciate the the bar uh, wanting to talk about this issue that doesn't get talked about a lot. So I'm always appreciative of uh, being able to talk about body dysmorphic disorder and eating disorders.
1: And listeners, thank you for joining us as well. If you like what you heard today, please rate us in Apple Podcasts. We'll see you next time for another episode of the ABA Journals Asked and Answered.